0: We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Vince. I'm one of the elders here at the Town Church. I'm a pastor here on staff, pastor over preaching and vision. So if we haven't yet met, I would love to meet you. I do see some faces I don't recognize, but we're all out of masks, so it's kind of hard to tell who I recognize and who I don't. But Good to be with you this morning. Um, over the last several years, we have been, um, in, in the summer, looking at the book of Psalms. So, um, as a church, we take time to look at God's Word intently. We, we look at it um, book by book, um, verse by verse. That's what we've done for 11 years now in the running. And so we thought uh, several years ago it'd be good for us to s- uh, spend some time in the summer just resting in the Psalms. And so that's what we've done. We take one Psalm a week and we just work through those. So this morning we are in Psalm 54. So if you have a Bible... Go ahead and grab it, please, and turn to Psalm 54. If you don't have a Bible, right back in the corner there's a table. You can grab a Bible and use it. If you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give that one to you as a gift. Psalm 54 is where we are this morning. Go ahead and turn there. And as you're turning there, let me give you some direction for reading the Psalms, thinking about the Psalms, working through the Psalms. Many of us really cherish the Psalms, don't we? We go there because they hit us in, in unique ways personally. We go there when we, maybe for you, you go there when you don't know what else to read, right? You got a few minutes before you head off to work or school or whatever that is, and you think, oh, I'll just open to the Psalms and I'll read there. We go there when we want some good one-liners, like that's going to be helpful for me because I've got a, a coffee mug that I want to make and put a Psalm on there, right? Maybe that's what you do. We go to the Psalms because they are familiar, and they're not just familiar in the church, they're prolific in movies. And songs, and, and lots of different people, Christian or not, use the Psalms because they are poetic and, and they really hit in, in good ways. The, the reason so many of us are drawn to the Psalms is, is I think, because they're honest words. They're, they're honest words exuding emotion. and some, That scares some of us, right? I don't want emotion. I don't want to go there. But they exude emotion and we can relate to the Psalms. Because we are emotional beings. We want to be able to express all kinds of things. We want to be able to express gratitude. We want to be able to to communicate sorrow and anger and fear. The Psalms give us examples of how to communicate our emotions, often very real and raw emotions. They give us words for that. We we see the psalmist, the writers, pleading with God for help. They are real and raw words from the authors uh, who trust in God, but not perfectly. They they trust in God, and so they're directing what they're feeling to God. There are times when we read through the psalms. Have you ever been here? You read through the psalms, you think, can you say that to God? Right, but the psalmist do, and they always swing back around and, and, and express their trust in who God is. The The Psalms invite us in to experience God with the people of God for the ultimate purpose of worshiping God. And so this morning we look at the Psalm of David. This is a song. It's a prayer written with a very specific time frame in mind. But as the Word of God so often does, it's living and active and it's able to meet us where we are right now. And if it's applied to our hearts, it's able to pierce in and dig into those places that that need to be affected by the Spirit. And so we're reading a psalm today about a, a very specific moment in the life of David, but I think you'll see that it hits us as well. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you are able, to join me in standing as we read through the psalm in its entirety. Now I'm going to read the heading because it sets the stage. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a mascal of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, is not David hiding among us? O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil of my enemies in your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. This is God's word. And have a This psalm, this psalm of David, speaks to us um, in those times where others have come against us. Now, who's, who's not experienced that? Right? Where, where someone has come against you. We all have, haven't we? Uh, Some of you may have people coming against you right now. You feel that. You have people who are against you, not for you, against you. Maybe it's someone in your family. You just feel that tension, that conflict. Maybe it's someone even here in the church. Maybe it's uh, someone you don't know that well, but you just know that person. Don't even know them that well. I know that they don't like me. They've got something against me. Maybe it's someone you know very well. And because of difficulties in the past, conflict in the past, that has not yet been resolved, they are against you now. They've become, in some ways, an enemy. It may be that you have become an enemy to others, and and some others have become your enemy, not based on anything you've done or anything they've done, but based on something that they've experienced in their past that has nothing to do with you, but because you fit that pattern for them, you have become an enemy. Having the kind of conflict that sets you up as an enemy or knowing that others are against you as an enemy is always, always, always devastating. It's hard. It's hard to walk through. It's hard to live a life where you know people are coming against you. Because we all want to be liked. We all want to have ease in our lives. We all want to be at peace in life. Not not in conflict, not watching our backs, but in peace. We live in a world, though, affected by sin. Before we all cheer and say, yeah, that's right. Affected by sin, uh, affected in ways that that we also play a part. Therefore, what this psalm communicates to us in, in times like these is this. The very God who is for us is the very God who will continue to be for us. Therefore, we lift our voices to that God. The God who is for us is the very God who is still for us. Therefore, we lift our voices to that God. We take our pain to that God. We approach that God with our troubles. We run to that God with our fear. We rest in that God with our confusion. Where we are confused, we rest in that God. We lean on that God to be our confidence. This psalm is a prayer. All things directed, not to self, not to the enemy, but to God. And I'll be honest, there are times as a leader in the church that I feel like I have, I have enemies. No hearty amens there. <laughs> um, I, I feel like there are times where, where I, I have enemies and I don't want that. It's not something I desire, it's not something I, I, I like. Uh, and I'll confess that there are times when, where I create the conflict, where it's on me. Where I've not cared well for people like I should. Where I have not loved people like I ought to, to love people. Where I don't say the things I ought to say in the moments where I ought to say them. Where I don't keep my mouth shut in the moments where I ought to keep my mouth shut. So I've created that in, in a lot of ways. And I don't, I don't lead in the ways that are helpful for most people. And I, I want so badly for God to change me in this. I want so badly for God to, to, to put in me the, a loving, caring, compassionate, courageous Part of a leader and pastor of this church. That's what I want. I want to be changed where I need to be changed. But until God changes me and until I'm made aware of the ways in which God needs to change me, and confession and repentance are my quick responses. Until that happens, I understand that I've I've made some enemies. And if you're thinking, "Oh, I wonder who he's talking about," right? Or "I wonder if he's talking about me," right? Um, don't don't think that. I don't have anybody in in mind. That that's not what I'm saying. I just know that that's. And it's hard to say in a room like this, because I look out and see so many faces who, who I love. And, and, and so maybe you've been there. Maybe you've, uh, you are there. And, and here's the encouragement for us. I'll say it again. The very God who is for us is the very God who will continue to be for us. So I lift my voice to him. David, the writer of the psalm, the song, this prayer begins in verse 1. Oh God. That shows us it's a prayer, right? This is written as a prayer. This is how it starts, right? Prayer and the reason for it. That's how he begins. He shows the prayer and then he gives the reason for it. In part, the reason for this prayer is actually in the heading of the prayer. David was brought into the courts of King Saul to be of service to him, first in playing his harp to bring a little relief to the anxiety of the king. So he was hired by the king to come in and and, and play his harp for the king. But from there, starting in 1 Samuel 18, if you want to read about it later this week, you can. Starting in 1 Samuel 18 and then flowing through the rest of the book, we see that Saul is an extremely jealous king who did not like David to receive attention when when David had gone out and conquered armies for Saul, right? David comes back into town and and all the people are in the street saying, David's killed a lot of people. Saul has killed a couple. David's killed a lot. And so this jealousy rises up in Saul. So Saul in jealousy was out to kill him. David's on the run. First Samuel 23, we see the people of Ziph, the great name. I wish I lived in Ziph. Going to Saul to rat out David. right? He's here, Saul. He's hiding among us. We'll show you where he is so you can kill him. That's the heading of the psalm. Now think through this. Just get, get in the mind of David if you're able. David was brought into the king's court by Saul himself. He was welcomed in. Brought in to, to play the harp for Saul. On top of that, Saul's son, Jonathan, has become David's best friend. His best friend. On top of that, Saul's daughter, Michal, is David's wife. So so David's woven into this king's family. But now in jealousy, Saul is seeking to kill David. David's king. David's father-in-law. David's best friend's dad is after him. And so David's on the run, and he certainly feels as if he has no one to turn to for help. Not his employer, the king, right? Not his best friend, Jonathan, not even his wife. Have you been there? Where it seems like the world is coming in against you, and you have no one to turn to, or at least you feel that way. I don't know what to to do. I have no one in my life currently that I can turn to. David writes out a prayer to God and the reason for it. He says, oh God, save me by your name. And to to say something or to do something in someone's name meant meant to appeal to their whole character. So David is saying, save me in alignment, God, with everything about who you are in alignment with that. Save me. You are the God who saves. You are the one of protection. You are the God who provides. You are the God who defends. God, save me. And then David says, vindicate me by your might or or decide who is wrong and, and then act accordingly and do according to your might, your power. Friends, listen. In the midst of conflict, we want so badly to make things right according to what we believe is right. Right? We do. We, we absolutely want that. We want to vindicate ourselves. It's my gut. It's my gut lunge, right? When, when I hear someone come against me, i want but but that, that's where it is. And God needs to change me in that. We want to defend ourselves. We want to justify ourselves. And, and David's prayer to God, listen... David's prayer to God, as he's on the run from his enemies, is not, God, help me to justify myself, right? God, help me to to vindicate myself. That's not what he prays at all. He says, God, you vindicate me by your power. Who's the focus? God. That that takes an extreme amount of faith, doesn't it? God, I'll wait on you. This is about you. This is about your power and might. Save me by your name. Vindicate me by your might. I'll, I'll wait. I'll trust. It's about you. We want so badly to defend ourselves. That's our gut lunge. We, we want to do that. I had a meeting um, two weeks ago. It was no one, no one from this church, so don't, don't think, oh, I wonder if he's talking about the meeting I had with him. That's not. I had a meeting a couple weeks ago where I was stepping into what I knew would probably be rebuke. I'd probably be called on something, um, at least from a perspective of this person. And my prayer before that meeting, I gathered with a couple of the elders. My prayer before that meeting was, God, help me to listen well. Help me to acknowledge where I've heard others. God, please help me not to defend myself where I feel wrongly accused. That, that was my, 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 first, my first step in prayer. Now, why did I pray that? I wish I could say because I'm really righteous and holy and I just knew that. No, uh, the reason I prayed that is because I need help. I need help in that very thing. I know my own heart. I know that I want to be seen as competent. And I know I want to be seen as right. And I know in part, I, I know the wickedness of my own heart. And I need God's help. And so w- when I pray that, I, I almost always think about what Peter, Jesus' disciple, says of Jesus. My, my mind always goes to this place. First Peter chapter 2. Peter, Jesus' friend, his disciple says of Jesus, he committed, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Now, how could Jesus do that? Well, he was perfect. That's the that's the answer, right? He, he was perfect, and he could do that. But how could Jesus, when he was mocked, when he was wrongly accused, when he was treated unfairly, he didn't return the favor? How could Jesus do that? Uh, Peter goes on, and he says, "How? But he continued entrusting himself to Him who judges justly. Jesus, the Son of God, continued to to trust the Father." When, when we justify ourselves, when we defend ourselves, when we argue our case and work to vindicate ourselves, we are trusting ourselves, right? David says, you, God, vindicate me by your might. Verse two, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. Please, God, all attention goes to you. That's the prayer. Here's the reason. Here, here's the reason for it. When we defend ourselves, when we argue our case, when we work to vindicate ourselves, we are trusting ourselves, right? For strangers have risen against me. They're seeking my life. Why? Because, God, you are not the focus. They, they are strangers to you because you are not their focus. They have forgotten you. Remember, these are, are people who are supposedly God's people. Saul's leading them in, in their hunt for David's life, but, but what's their focus? It, it, it's, it's not God. David says that they do not set God before themselves. Their eyes have shifted from God and, and his plan and purposes to David and an evil plan to, to cause him harm. And because their eyes are on David and his capture, their eyes are only on David and his capture. You've certainly experienced that, right? Where, where a problem is there, and all you can think about is that problem. Your eyes get 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 fixed on that problem. We want to take it into our own hands. We want to resolve the problem on our own. This becomes more and more my focus. As the problem is there, I want to see it and fix it and move toward it. God, His will, His ways fades into the background. Become You become more and more fixated on the problem, not less. Maybe you don't have enemies, like David's talking about here, but recently all of your attention has gone toward a problem. It's moved toward Maybe another person in your life. You just think, ah, can't stand that person. Or, ah, I really like that person. Or, or maybe it's an enemy. It's shifted from who is central, God, to an all-encompassing issue that consumes your thinking. But would you say along with David, I, I've, set not, I've not set God before me. God's not been the focus of my heart. I'm, I'm reminded of the old hymn, uh, maybe you know this turn your eyes upon jesus should we just sing it now turn your eyes upon jesus look full on his wonderful face i love this and the things of earth will grow strangely dim how in the light of his glory and grace and we all just now oh, now we want to sing it if you know it you want you want to sing it it's a a shifting of focus isn't it when our eyes are fixed on the problem, they will forever be fixed on the problem. That as we turn our attention, our eyes to Jesus, that the things here, the troubles of this world, are seen in light of the full and wonderful face of Jesus. How many of us need to hear that this morning? I do. Maybe the, the application this morning that we need to hear is, is just the lines from this hymn. Right? Uh, what has taken my attention related to the psalm is there conflict in your in your life? Is it maybe a family member, a leader, an employer, a spouse? Have your eyes shifted to look only at the issue, the conflict, what seems like an enemy, and away from God? I need to hear this challenge maybe more than any this morning. I'll, I'll confess um, my attention has been fixed on several different ongoing issues in my life to the neglect of seeing the power and might and beauty of God. I sat right back here. My office is back here, by the way. Um, So if you want to see it, I'll give you a little tour. In fact, or you can just walk back there because there's no tour needed. Um, I sat back here uh, on, I think it was on Wednesday morning. And thinking about this psalm and thinking about this, this application and just um, the, the Spirit woke me up um, to this reality that I've, I've looked primarily at the problems in my life, to the neglect of fixing my eyes on Jesus. And, and Kirsten has been telling me this for months, not nagging, um, and, and I haven't listened, so I'm sorry. But thanks be to God, the Spirit, who, who opened my eyes to that this week. And my eyes have been fixed on the problem, and not the, the God who is the help. And what's needed in those moments is a complete entrusting ourselves to Him who judges justly. Right? Right? What's needed there when, when others are against us have turned their eyes away from God is for our eyes to be firmly fixed on God. Prayer and the reason for it. Prayer, uh, God help the reason for it because God, you are all powerful, all knowing and, and worthy to be trusted. And I doubt that many of us have anyone chasing you down to kill you, right? Don't, don't say no if that's not the case. We need, we need to find help quickly. But can I I ask you this? When when you face conflict, when you face what feels like false accusation, when you feel uh, when you when you feel what or face what feels like attack after attack after attack, is your gut response defending yourself and dwelling on the wrongs of the other person, or is it entrusting yourself to the one who judges justly? I need to grow there. The center of this psalm, the center of this prayer is in verses 4 and 5. The, the central affirmations for who God is. Yes, there is prayer and the reason for it, but there is also help in the God of it. And David just uh, sings of that. David says with so much confidence in verse 4, Behold! Now you don't say behold unless you're wanting to clearly draw attention to, to what you're, you're about to say. I promise you that. I, I bet you if you walk out anywhere and say, Behold! Everybody's going to gather around. We just don't use that word. So... Hear ye, hear you, listen up, extra, extra. Right? And then you want to clearly communicate. But what does David say after that? Very, very simply, what's he say? God is my help. You see that? Behold, listen please, God is my help. You just. I'm going to ask you to do this. Can you say that? God is my help. Say it. Why don't you say it again? Listen to that. The simplicity of that is profound. God is my help. We believe that. We have one who will help God. He is the God of help. If anyone will come to our aid in time of need, ultimately, who will it be? The God of our help. The one who is upholding and sustaining life. Why is He our help? He knows us. He's made us. He created us, sustains us, and He knows what we are facing. He knows what you're facing. He is the God of help. We trust Him to protect us, defend us from our enemies. Verse 5, David says, God will return evil to His enemies. Or in other words, God will repay His enemies for the evil they have dished out to David. That's on God's hands. That's not on yours. It's on God's hands. Help and the God of it. Do we trust the God to help us to uphold our lives, to repay the enemies in, in, in His sovereign and perfect ways? Paul, the apostle, um, speaks some rapid fire commands about this in Romans chapter 12. He says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all beloved. Hear this beloved. Never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Never avenge yourself. But what about that one time, right? Never avenge yourself. Why? Because vengeance is God's. We entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. God is our help. Another very well-known psalm speaks of God's help very simply. And in its simplicity, it's profound, he says, um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to get to my, there it is. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? It's so simple. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Friends, we know the God of help. We know the God of help, the very one who made heaven and earth. That, that's the psalmist way of saying he created everything. It's the one who created everything who is our help. Why would we not run to him? We know the God of help, the very one who made the heaven and earth. That's the psalmist's way of screaming this. He did it all. He's our help. So David prays in verse five, and your faithfulness put an end to them. That will be of you, God. and all attention is to you. I do not need to take this into my own hands or defend or repay anyone, uh, anyone. We have prayer and a reason for it. We know help and the God of it, these last two verses of the psalm, there's hopeful answer and the promise of it. The answer is found in in the final verse, verse seven, for he, God, has delivered me from every trouble. Listen to that. God has delivered you from every trouble. Every trouble. You have been delivered from every trouble you have ever had, right? Right? You you have it, maybe not in your timing, but 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 you have been delivered from every trouble. And, and if that's true, that that deliverance from trouble has been graciously given to you by God. And you may say, well, Vince, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm still walking through. That's probably the case. Right. What, what I've walked through has been excruciating for years and years. Yet that may be the case. Many of you are, are facing things that I'll never be able to comprehend. You've walked through things that I'll never be able to understand. The trauma of it, the pain of it, the annoyance of it, I may never be able to understand. But if and when there is deliverance from it, let me let me scratch that, when there is deliverance from it, that will come from God. It, it's a promise. We have hope in that. We're, we're told that when Jesus returned in in revelation 21 he says he will wipe every away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away you may not feel that right now you may read that and, and sort of shrug it off you may not feel that but it's coming it's a promise right we have a hopeful answer to our prayers we pray for healing now and, and healing will come God may choose to heal instantly, and we've experienced that. You've experienced that. God may choose to wait to bring healing, and some of you say, yep, that's what I've experienced. But healing is coming. Pain, mourning, mourning, crying, death will be eradicated. Jesus is returning to make all things new. He has delivered me from every trouble, David says. We have uh, we have hopeful answers to our prayers we already know it so that's that's where we direct our prayers to the one who delivers us so david says unlike those who who do not set their sights on on god at the end of verse 7 he says my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies and from where does my my triumph come from where does this victory come god god david says my eye has has been looking at god as my hope we have hopeful answers and promises kept God is the only one delivering us and what's the response look at verse 6 David says with a free will offering I will sacrifice to you or in other words I will come to you God with my hands open Not clenched fists around my ways and my plans, but with my hands open, offering a sacrifice to you, offering a worship to you, God, coming to an altar with open hands, letting go. Listen, in these days where David is writing, if the people were bringing a sacrifice to God, say a lamb or a bull or a dove or grain, whatever it is, they don't go to the priest and say, hey, when you're finished with that, can I get that back? I need that. Right? Right? They go with open hands, not clenched fists around it. They go with open hands, freely offering. That's got to be our posture as well. If we're entrusting God with our troubles, our enemies, our conflict, the repayment of vengeance, if we're trusting our troubles to the one who judges justly, we come not with clenched fists, but instead we come with open hands. But listen, not begrudging open hands. Okay, whatever, take it. No, no, no. That, that's not, well, not not clenched fists with open hands, not begrudging, not reluctant. Second part of verse 6. What's David say? He says, I'll, I'll give thanks to your name. You don't say, I'll give thanks to your name with begrudging, a uh, uh, begrudging attitude. You, you say, I give thanks to your name for his good with open hands. The, the, the God who saves, verse 1, is the same name that is good and the same name that receives Thanks. And so our posture is one of open handed, trusted worship of God, giving thanks to Him because He's good. We have hopeful answers and the promises of it. So, friend, this morning, what are you facing? Are you facing attack? Are you facing um, conflict? Are you right in the middle of conflict? I don't know what it is that you're facing, um, what you've been walking through, what troubles you have waded through in life, but we have a God we can approach in prayer because of what Jesus has already accomplished, opening up the the way for us to be near Him. The very God who is for us is the very God who will continue to be for us. Therefore, we lift our voices to that God. He's our help. Our hope. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to to close by by reading from Romans. I'm going to just close everything up. If you're taking notes, if you're checking scores, or whatever it is you're doing, just close it up. I'm going to read from Romans over us. Thinking about these very things, Paul speaks to some of this, and I think gives us a a lot of hope. If you want, you you can see them on the screen here. If you want to just close your eyes and hear these things can do that as well. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? You just rattled off a bunch of things. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or whatever it is you're walking through, will that separate you from the love of Christ? Paul goes on to say, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have hope. Christ has accomplished everything we need to have access to God. Turn our eyes to Him. going to pray for us this morning um, and then we're going to celebrate like we do every week around these um, tables. Let me pray. God, we um, recognize today that you are our God. So very simply, God is my help. That's what we want to say. God is my help. but, But we don't want to just say it. God, we want to then turn to you and acknowledge that you absolutely are our help. We don't need to justify ourselves, vindicate our, ourselves. We, just like Jesus as our example, can, in, uh, can entrust all of this to, to the one who judges justly. That's you. And so where my friends this morning are feeling conflict or feeling um, attacked or feeling under the pressure of, of relational things or, or feeling um, there's just the pressure of, of living in a sinful world. My prayer this morning is that they would go to you. The one who is for us will continue to be for us. That's you, God. You'll continue to be for us. And so we take our, our, our prayers to you. Would you help even this morning, Spirit? Would you meet people even this morning? as they're now wrestling through what, it, what they've walked through over the last weeks, and now um, see very clearly that they can turn all that to you. Would you meet them there? That we, we recognize that you sent your Son to open up access to you. You've given us access to you. We acknowledge that today and we celebrate that the work has been finished. Help us to see more of Jesus. Fix our eyes on Him and so that the things of this earth would grow strangely dim. Light of glory and grace. Help us in that, we pray. Amen.